This is WSIU In Focus. I'm Jennifer Fuller. In this special edition of In the Author's Voice, I talk with investigative journalist and Carterville native Jeremy Finley. Finley's new book, The Dark Above, is a sequel to his sci-fi thriller, The Darkest Time of Night. I talk to him about what happens next. Well, Jennifer, you know, as a journalist yourself, you know the main part of following a story is what happens next, right? After an incredible event has happened to to someone or to a family, I'm always fascinated as a reporter myself about the next. How do these families survive? How do they pick up the pieces? What happens next? And so in the dark above, it takes place 15 years after the disappearance of this U.S. senator's grandson and all of the efforts made to try and find him. Um, And so what I really wanted to explore was how does this family pick up the pieces after this? How do they how do they go forward facing all this kind of scrutiny? And then what happens when all of this begins to combine with government forces and true believers when an even greater threat looms uh, in, I suppose, the, the encroaching sky and how they all respond to that? And so that's, what, uh, that's, where, our, that's where our story picks up is how this family begins to pick up the pieces and then realize that that their journey to try to discover the truth is truly only beginning. It seems like you have a bit of a luxury when you would write a sequel in that you don't have to spend as much time introducing characters and getting people kind of used to your style of writing. This book for me was much more fast-paced. You jumped right out of the gate with what was happening and, and what's coming. Did you find that as you were trying to put it together? I think I did. I, I was very cognizant to the fact that I wanted the readers of The Darkest Time of Night to be able to jump right on in and feel like they hadn't skipped a beat. I didn't want there to be a whole lot of uh, discussion and, and um, <clears throat> thoughts about what happened in the past. I wanted it more to step right up and keep that pace that uh, would, would carry them through almost like a I see the book as kind of like a summer blockbuster flick where I want you to, from the very get-go, to hopefully get hooked, and then we just run as fast as we can to the very end. Uh, So it was very deliberate in my storytelling uh, that this would be a book that, you know, hopefully people could take with them to the beach or take with them to the pool and uh, have a a fun, healthy escape uh, and following these characters that hopefully you've come to love from the first book. We got more background on some of the characters that we met in the first book, but you also have a a bit of a a hook at the end. This is book two. Will there be a book three? You know, I never say never. I I love these characters. I love this story. I knew how I wanted it to end, and it ends that way for a reason. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody uh, that hasn't read it, but it does very much uh, leave it open to suggest that perhaps Lynn and Roxy and William's journey isn't over quite yet. And I did that for a reason because I think I didn't, I couldn't say goodbye to them yet. I think that I have grown so attached to them all and that I think that there's uh, more of a story to come. Uh, so I, I guess the, the best uh, thing to say is we'll see. Tell me a little bit about 
your inspiration for for both of these books. Your training is in journalism. You've covered any number of of high profile cases as well as those kind of grinded out day-to-day stories. But this is science fiction. Was there a lot of research involved or or how were you inspired? There was an extensive amount of research uh because I wanted to get the authenticity of what these researchers into UFOs uh, endured in silence. I wanted to really kind of capture the scrutiny they faced and the perils they faced in uh, doing this type of work, and then, of course, the the scrutiny they faced when people would find out. Uh, I think a lot of people know the backstory that that the idea for this story came from my mother-in-law, who lives in southern Illinois, and how uh, she kind of surprised me with the with a word one day that, or the story one day that she had worked as a secretary to a UFO researcher at a university in Illinois, and how that kind of her her brief time working for a professor that did UFO research really, really spurned this idea in my head. Um, but the crux of the story is about the perils of finding the truth. It is about how far people will go for their loved ones and also uh, the kind of a relentless effort to uncover what's really happening. And, of course, then the perils and the scrutiny you face in going on that journey. Journalists are either by nature or by training skeptics. So do you believe that we're alone out there? You know, it's one of the main questions that people ask me since these novels have come out. Here's what I say, because this has really changed since I started doing this research. You're right, Jennifer. You, you're a skeptic as well as I do. I am because we're both journalists. But I, when I started this, I was a, a major skeptic, I, I, um, and I still remain that to this day. But what I say is I believe the people that are telling these stories. I've talked to so many of them. I've researched so many of these stories. And these people that tell stories of whatever they've seen or whatever they've experienced, they have nothing to gain. They have no monetary gain that comes from it. They have no, they're not seeking fame. They don't want this kind of attention. They just want to tell their stories. And when you hear them and you, you realize that, um, I just believe. So if, if I, I think the easiest answer is I believe the people that are telling these stories. What's next for you, Jeremy? Are there more books in your future? So I'm hoping so. I, um, I'm taking a, a deep breath <laughs> after the release of this book. Um, and I have a, another idea that I'd really like to jump into. It's, a, it's an endeavor that I love, but it's also pretty time-consuming when you're working a full-time job on the side that you also happen to love. So, yes, if, if, uh, if I have my way, there will be many books to come. Finally, uh, I ask every author, whether they're nonfiction or fiction, if there's a moral to their story, if there's something that you would like people to learn. So is there something that you hope people glean from uh, The Dark Above? I do, and I think it is the complexities of family. And I, what I take away from this is that we all go through struggles with our own families and our relationships and, and the differences in opinions, whether it's politics or, or what have you. But there is something that binds us. Uh, to the people that are in our families and how far we'll go for our family members. And that's really at the crux of, of what this story is, is this is generations of a single family that have been impacted by these disappearances. 
and something still binds them together, and it is that they're a love of family. And so I think if there is a moral to this story, it is you're born into the tribe of, of your family without choice. Sometimes family is the people that you choose, but it is vitally important for you to hold on to these people and to take care of each other because these can be extremely difficult times. And at the end of the day, family truly is what matters. Fair enough. Anything else you'd like to add? I'm just as thrilled as could be to have my family and friends in Southern Illinois, uh, you know, so involved in, in really enjoying these books. So it's been the um, true thrill of, of this experience to be able to share this with my, my people in Southern Illinois.